0: in today's episode.
1: Fraud prevention specialists are really good at figuring out how to commit fraud. I've actually been in the fraud prevention industry for um, 29 years. People who just thought they could get away with it. The fraudsters are successful. It has been a challenge every day of my life since I started doing fraud prevention. MRC is a global nonprofit membership organization for payment and fraud professionals. Um, we had a historic lunch. So what's really awesome is the MRC is a community, and so really our organization is run by our members. I've been a victim of fraud so many times, and I always encourage people, be open and honest and collaborative, because in fraud prevention, the more you share, the better you get. It's a little secret. I, so I actually think it's gonna get really bad. One of the coolest places
0: to be. Hi everyone. Welcome to the new episode of the podcast, a journey into fraud prevention. I'm your host, Ivan. And this episode I'm joined by Julie Ferguson, CEO at MRC. Let's begin. Поехали. Julie, thank you for joining us today. Usually I start my podcast with simple question, but after a lot of MRCs in the past months, I don't believe it's going to be simple one. Fraud prevention, what is fraud prevention for you?
1: So fraud prevention, really, there's no single silver bullet. And so fraud prevention is a layer of tools that every merchant or financial institution must have, but it's also collaboration among each other and sharing what's going on and the latest attack. Because whatever we solve, You can guarantee the fraudsters will figure out and figure out a new scheme. And they actually have the deep web, the dark web, where they're sharing lots of tips and techniques. And so in the financial services industry, we have to have that same level of collaboration. So it is a combination of tools, but also of collaborating and sharing best practices and tips and techniques.
0: I believe we also have uh, fraud creation from another side of the table. Since we are fraud prevention, someone's supposed to be fraud creation there.
1: Absolutely. And, and you know, sometimes we even do some think takes. of, let's think like a fraudster, what's next? And uh, those are always fascinating in conversations because fraud prevention specialists are really good at figuring out how to commit fraud.
0: Yeah, for sure. And every time when you try to buy something as a fraud uh, prevention sp- specialist, you not only like checking sites and everything, but you also think... Can I get some discount here? What I can use to find some discount code here? I don't know, I I speak about myself. When I try to buy something, I always looking for promotion codes. Maybe I'm alone in this area, maybe I'm not.
1: Yeah, you are not alone. I do the same thing. Um, Some of the merchants would actually consider that coupon fraud or loyalty fraud using other people's coupons. But that is definitely, if you're thrifty and, and mind your money, that is definitely a common trend among all consumers.
0: How long have you been in the fraud prevention industry?
1: So I've actually been in the fraud prevention industry for um, 29 years Um, and I actually started in the e-commerce space 29 years ago and the way I actually got into it is um, I built a payment gateway for shareware developers so so people who wrote their own software used to have to mail in checks and the internet was starting to emerge and it's like oh this might be a better way to to buy those software applications for our computers. We put up um, the first website and um, within one day of selling online, the very next day we started seeing fraud come in. And that's really, it was fascinating to me. And I always say fraud prevention and payments are like breathing in and breathing out. You don't have one without the other.
0: I believe it's changed a lot. Could you drive us to the um, like pain points uh, or not pain points, some uh, milestones that happens of change of fraud prevention, how you saw them? during these years?
1: So early on, um, fraud was committed by um, mostly people who just thought they could get away with it. Um, And then probably about 20 years ago, it really pivoted from the individuals committing fraud just for personal financial gain to more organized crime. Um, And that's when we started to see um, different countries pop up with farms where fraud farms, where people would actually commit organized fraud against different merchants or different industries. And then over the years, um, we've seen more sophisticated technologies and tools being used to commit the fraud. And now, actually, at this moment in time with generative AI, it is faster and more aggressive and far more scalable for the fraudsters to commit the crime. And so um, the speed at which fraud is happening just seems to be increasing and the sophistication seems to be increasing. And that's been a growing theme for, for quite a while. but. With generative AI um, and a lot of the deepfake technology, um, it is now becoming very difficult to detect, as well as the speed at which new attacks are happening is, is increasing.
0: And what, based on your opinion, like most speed up is a fraud. Uh, I have uh, three milestones in my mind. So first one, AI, it's uh, nowadays before is a COVID, or even before it is start to raise of mobile payments. Which one of them do you believe they created a lot of the problems for fraud prevention industry?
1: I think th- probably what's created the biggest challenge is just that you're anonymous on the internet. So, so you know, I guess when the, the lockdown happened, there was a lot more people sitting at home with free time. Um, and so that probably created a few more fraudsters and and few more business plans for fraudsters than there was before... So it's kind of a difficult qu- question to answer that you asked and and I'll say the the challenge is the the fraudsters are successful and so that is the incentive and so there isn't any one thing really accelerating it other than when they commit the fraud it works and that's a, that's a great reward because it's it's cold hard cash or products in the fraudsters hands and that's that's really the biggest thing that has changed, you know, so, so COVID definitely had an impact that made things um, accelerate because more stuff moved to mobile, you know, the generative AI has accelerated it, but the fact that it actually works is what continues to, to get the fraudsters going.
0: And you mentioned that you came to the industry from the e-commerce platform, but how you actually decide to move actually to fraud prevention, not continue to like your e-commerce uh, pay, payment career?
1: Um, so I've always done both my entire career. Um, payments ha- have been just as important as fraud. Uh, you know, I think fraud is a more complex and ever-changing problem. Although I, I would, some might argue that payments has become that way in the last couple years as well with all of the new emerging payment types. But um, fraud has always been fascinating to me because it is constantly something new and exciting that you have to figure out a puzzle and you have to learn, and that's what really motivates me.
0: That's my second question. What's motivated you to stay for, uh, for this long period of time in an the industry? And uh, I got the answer even before I ask a question.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's a challenge. It is always a challenge. It has been a challenge every day of my life since I started doing fraud prevention.
0: I believe it's uh, time for my uh, one of my most exciting questions that I prepare. It is about MRC. Can you describe what is MRC?
1: Um, sure. So MRC, MRC is a global nonprofit membership organization for payment and fraud professionals. And I actually started it over 23 years ago with a group of amazing merchants. So I'm one of the co-founders and we were all volunteers. And the way it started is we had a couple of merchants that also happened to be customers of of my company that i was at at the time and they all had the common problems of the fraud attacks and there was no way for them to share and collaborate information and so um, we had a historic lunch where they sat down and started sharing information and then on a regular basis we had merchants get together and it actually made a material difference. When we started the, the MRC, fraud rates were 2 to 3% of emergency commerce revenue or, or transactions. And it was just growing exponentially. And so by creating this organization, we were able to keep... Fraud in check. We were able to work together. We were able to reduce the, the fraud that was happening. Solution providers popped up, learned what merchants were doing, built some automated tools, and really the entire industry was born. Um, and about three and a half, four years ago, um, at, when I was at my last company, we got acquired by MasterCard. And so I decided that I really wanted to go and give back to the community. And so I actually got the opportunity to come back and uh, take the helm of the MRC and take it to the next level, um, which is really going from an events based organization where people got together to do, do truly year round engagement and collaboration. So we have Slack channels now where people are communicating um, on a daily basis of what's going on. We have uh, community calls and that is the way I stay most up to date on what's going on in the fraud industry is every six weeks we have a fraud community call where people are sharing information. And it's just so absolutely exciting to be engaged um, at that level and, and really be at the bleeding edge of fraud prevention.
0: I remember the first time here about MRC about uh, I don't know seven years ago, and uh, it was I may be wrong. Uh, it was maybe two or three conferences during the year, and now it is a lot. I know I started counting webinars uh, before this podcast. I stopped counting after fifteen, and uh, for MRC during the year, I know it's a lot of them. F- Twenty, maybe something around that's one. And my question is. How you keep everyone who participate on these uh, events, like engaged because I I attend Athens and so happy that I I did this one. It was amazing experience. Started from organizing moment and also from the moment uh, of the agenda. I'm so excited to participate on all uh, meetings. Unfortunately, I only won. If I have my duplicates, I would attend also payment site. But how do you keep all these like up to date and keep agenda clear?
1: Um, so what's really awesome is the MRC is a community. And so really our organization is run by our members. So, you know, as a nonprofit organization, the MRC staff, we're here to execute and help our members collaborate and, and share. And we have an education committee that's made of a group of volunteers that works on our online training. We have a content committee for each of the different regions. And that's um, the groups that actually the members actually set the content for the regions. And um, so like our conferences, um, they might make recommendations for webinars. Um, so we have one, you know, in the U.S., one for Europe, one for the Asia Pacific region and one for the LATAN region. Um, So we just have a lot of different committees that our members volunteer and that's what makes the MRC magic happen is everybody's kind of chipping in because we have a common enemy that fraudster.
0: But if someone who is not in MRC right now asks you why I need to join MRC immediately, what's going to be your response?
1: to be as organized as the fraudster, right? It's one of the things the fraudsters learned early on is if I learn a fraud scam and I share it with all my friends, it's very hard to catch me. And the speed at which that information happens among the fraud community is almost instantaneously. And from the merchant side, we need to be sharing our learnings that quick as well. And if a merchant doesn't, They'll have most likely a bad fraud spike that will cost them you know hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars. And what's really interesting to me over the years is um, sometimes merchants um, will leave our organization. But we we always laugh because pretty much everybody comes back. Um, So, you know, budgets might get tighter and a merchant may not be able to afford the membership, but then a fraud attack happens and then all of a sudden fraud becomes front and center and MRC becomes super important again. Um, so, you know, hopefully by having all of the content you mentioned, you know, we have you know a couple webinars every week. We have virtual summits once a quarter. We have conferences all over the place. We have um, over 20 in-person events a year across the globe. So it's it's a lot of activity that that's happening. So hopefully through that, um, a merchant can stay plugged in and understand what's what's going on. But it's really to stay ahead of the fraudsters. That's why you join the MRC.
0: You convince me, at least me, but I believe you convince everyone. Uh, and uh, for everyone who just like listen um, these brilliant phrases about why you need to join MRC, I'm gonna leave uh, a link to to the website on the subscription. This everyone who interesting it's still not in, going r- right away to there and saying it's a very amazing place uh, to learn and uh, share information because this is what it, what it is about. Have you ever been a victim of fraud?
1: I've been a victim of fraud so many times. Um, You know, what I always tell people is it's not whether you're smart or, uh, you know, you know all the scams because I've been involved on the consumer protection as well as the merchant protection for a long, long time. But all it takes is one moment when you're a little sleepy or half distracted by the kids and you click on that link because you want to buy that cool new shirt or that cool new toy. And you type in all your information and then you realize after you press send oh that was probably fraud additionally anytime there's a new technology that comes out i like to go experiment um, with it and so it is not uncommon for me to get my credit card compromised as i'm playing with a new technology or platform so um Unfortunately, I have been a victim of fraud several times. What I will say is there's lots of different resources to help consumers recover um, when you do become a victim of fraud. Um, And I have a lot of different tools in place. I I have fraud alerts set on my credit files. And every time a credit card transaction goes through on my credit card, it texts me to let me know what's going on. I have my bank accounts locked down pretty tight. So those are the things that I'll say, but but there's no way to prevent yourself from being a victim of fraud. There's just too many. It's constantly hitting at you as a consumer. And no matter how vigilant you are, all it takes is one sleepy, tired uh, uh, moment or distracted moment um, to become that victim.
0: So I believe you're one of uh, this kind of person who every month download all your settlements settlements report from your bank account and check each individual transaction to make sure that nothing happens for the past months that you cannot recognize.
1: Yeah, I, I actually do it at least once a week, but yeah, <laughs> I definitely a keep it That's close eye, yes.
0: My question is, what do you believe is important uh, to people who right now are in the core senior positions in the fraud industry to become manager or even higher position. Maybe you can give some advices for people who listen to this podcast.
1: Yeah. So when I'm coaching people, um, and, and MRC has a mentor-mentee program that's free to all our members as well, so we can pair you up if if it's a, something you want to learn more about. But you know, one of the things that I always encourage people is to reach out to um, people who are in similar companies as you, that, um, so you know, it, Walmart and Target might be good, good friends to share information, um, or you know, two online betting companies, or you know, online dating companies. If you find somebody similar that's your peer, um, and, and collaborate and share information. Our natural tendency is: this is our company secrets, and um, you know, if I don't tell everybody, even within my own organization, what's going on, then I'll be more valuable. And I always encourage people: be open and honest and collaborative, because in fraud prevention, the more you share, the better you get, and that really helps um, some of the analysts transition from. Being that analyst to that manager or that team lead, right? So if you can become that coach and share um, the techniques, the other thing that I always recommend to people is to trust your spidey sense. So if you think that something is suspicious or it doesn't look right, but you can't you can't figure out why, be insanely curious and drill into it and figure out why. Because the human tech, you know, our human brain is the best detection for fraud prevention and some of the craziest fraud scams that have slipped through all the different technology has just been caught by a person. And so always being vigilant and always thinking and trusting your spidey sense um, really helps you advance your career. And if you can teach your coworkers that as well, that that lifts the whole organization up.
0: One more follow-up questions about like career progression. So for example, I am, senior analyst for for the past five years and uh i'm not see myself as a manager but as everyone know in the industry it's not only about fraud prevention it's a global happens if you're in the individual contributor i see in that cases you might not grow like even higher some positions open like lead etc etc but if we're looking on options to grow so only best options it is become a manager. What you suggest to these kind of people to stay like I see or if they don't like it still jump to be a manager and obscure themselves?
1: So luckily in the fraud um the fraud space, you can be an individual contributor and climb all the way up the corporate ladder because you, One of the great things about a fraud prevention expert is you need to work with the legal teams, the privacy teams and the marketing teams. So if you can move into more of a role of a subject matter expert within your organization, um, I've seen people move into director and even vice president roles and still continue to be that individual contributor. You don't have to be a people manager to be a leader in an organization and make a material impact. And so, you know, one of the things that um, I would encourage you to do is maybe reach out to the marketing team and say, hey, I'd like to be at some of those meetings where you guys are inventing some new cool promotions um, and just provide some advice on uh, the fraud aspects because as Fraud managers, everyone knows marketing creates amazing opportunities for the customers, but also amazing opportunities for the fraudsters with some of the promotions. And so having a seat at that table and starting to collaborate across the organization can make you a really important asset to the company and grow your career, but still stay in that place of individual contributor. Because a little secret, I actually prefer to be an individual contributor versus a leader. And so throughout my entire career, you'll see me flip flopping back and forth um, through it. Uh, you know, right now I'm, a, I'm in a leadership role and it's a lot of fun, but at the end of the day, I'm, I'm a product person and I love that product stuff. And so um, individual contributor role is a lot of fun.
0: Can't be agree more with you, you 29 years in, in the industry, for example, you're tired of this industry from the fraud payments from both of them. Where are you going? Do you have any, uh, amazing plan to start to, I don't, I don't know, um. do some kind of, uh, exciting stuff or, you know, sell, um, boards for surfing somewhere.
1: Um, well, it's interesting. So two things. In the middle of my career, I actually got a little bit tired of the pace of fraud prevention and payments. And so I decided to go do consumer uh, protections, and I did that for four years. Um, and what I learned is um, educating consumers is way, way harder than, than building fraud rules. So I came running back to the fraud prevention um, space on the merchant side. Um, You know, for me, long term, you know, what's my next move? Um, So I'm getting up there in years. And so I'm actually got my eyes on uh, retirement. um, And I don't imagine that I'll ever exit our industry because I'm just, you know, at this point, fraud prevention and payments is a hobby as much as it is a job. But being more of that coach and that mentor um, and thought leader um, is probably my future as it relates to it. But I will honestly say I never tire of understanding the fraud, fraud aspects and what's going on in the industry. Um, and it's, it's actually only getting more exciting um, as the generative AI and the deepfakes um technology really starts to take hold in the fraudsters community.
0: So I believe one of the options to using AI in your case, just create kind of uh, AI version of yourself to resolve all the issues and you just like sitting somewhere in the ground with the coffee and enjoy the moment.
1: I don't think it'll ever get that good, but it'd be sure be fascinating if uh, if it did. And hopefully, it's more than just me; it's the collective brain of the entire industry. So, you know, I I do think it's it's interesting. I I use um, Chat GPT almost every single day at this point um, because it does even just for. Um, write-ups that I might be doing you know streamlining it making more sense of it researching information it it's it's really powerful so so I do think there's maybe a role so so hopefully I won't be replaced by it but uh, but but we may be
0: about AI because we speak a lot about uh, it for the past 20 minutes do you believe it's gonna be stay? with us for a long time, or it just like spike that happens and uh, maybe a year from now we stop to hear everything about AI because it's not gonna be so exciting anymore? Or it's only early stage of AI that we see and it's gonna be like progress significantly higher that we expected and we see a lot more and more cases that involve uh, this new functionality.
1: So I actually think it's gonna get really bad, unfortunately, and it's here to stay. I was talking to somebody the other day and um, in my career, there was a time when there was no data breaches of credit card numbers or personal information. And I remember when they started happening and I started talking to the press and speaking about it at conferences and everybody told me, oh, don't worry, it'll go away. Oh, it's not as big a problem as you think it is. And it actually became one of the largest problems in our industry. I feel the exact same way at this moment about AI, that in the future, it's going to be one of the largest problems in our industry in the future.
0: And I always try to say people who are just afraid that they're going to lost their positions, specifically like in the fraud prevention area, that right now it's a great opportunity to me, to obscure yourself and start to using new functionality to prevent something rather than just like sitting somewhere and afraid that it's going to be re- replace you i may be wrong but this is my position what do you think about it
1: i think your position is exactly right this is just one more new technology that we as professionals need to learn how to use
0: i definitely using uh, this one on daily basis as well and specifically I become so lazy in some areas, specifically in areas like when you write a quote or some uh, request, ChatGPT speed it up. I like it.
1: Yeah, but but the question, you know, you're not sitting around going, ooh, somebody did my work for me, so now I can go off and relax on the beach, right? You're going, ooh, now I can do other cool stuff, right? So it's just accelerating how much we're able to accomplish. Uh, I
0: don't know it's a good or bad thing, I I still have mixed feelings about it. Once I figure out for myself, I definitely let you know for now I have more pros and cons about it. And I hear a lot that the main advice to stay curious, if you decide to join the fraud fighters path, do you have any other advices to the people who are right now looking for change their career, or maybe start the third job and fraud fighters in their focus?
1: Yeah, so what I'll tell you is, hands down, being in the fraud prevention space is absolutely one of the coolest places to be. Um, You know, it's constantly changing. It's constantly learning. Because the criminals are using the latest and greatest technology, we as the fraud prevention team have to also be using the latest and greatest technologies. So you get to work on really cool new things constantly. Additionally, when a recession happens or a bad economy, where we might be seeing um, massive layoffs in other industries, you might see a little bit of tightening of the belt. But fraud actually always increases in a bad economy and actually ends up creating more jobs, not less. And so I would never say any career is recession proof, but I've been through a couple of recessions now and fraud prevention career is pretty recession proof. Um, so that's a great, uh, another benefit of being in this industry and anybody who wants to be in this industry, you know, you hit the, the nail on the head, be insanely curious. And I would be, say, don't be afraid to say, I don't understand this. I don't have any idea what you're talking about. Um, you know, please explain it to me. And I will tell you on a regular basis, I say, I don't understand. Please help me understand. Um, even today, even though I've been in this industry for 29 years, because there's so much to learn and and that there's so much information to to understand, to really win against fraud. That, that's just one of the things that really makes this career in this industry very exciting.
0: Thank you for great advices. I believe I don't have any other questions. Uh, thank you so much for joining me today. It was a really great story. I really enjoy it. And uh, the same as the previous podcast, I'm really uh, learn something every day. And uh, thank you so much for like joining me today. It is a pleasure to have interviews you.
1: Thank you, Ivan. It was a pleasure to be here. And it was really great to meet you. And if there's ever anything that I can do for you, don't hesitate to reach out and ask.
0: Thank you. And I calling my favorite words at the end of each podcast. Cut.